Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number, uh, what is this, five? Five of Like Father, Like Son, Like Movies. I am Sam, the titular son, and with me, as always, is my co-host and father, Stuart. How are you doing, Dad? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. Okay, the way this podcast works for new listeners, uh, one of us picks a movie that we'd like to revisit, or maybe one we haven't seen before. I guess that doesn't have to be a rule. Uh, And then the other picks a movie in response that they think would make a nice double feature, and then we come on the show and talk about it. And compare them. Compare and contrast. And then we decide whose pick was better. No, that's not really the point. No, that isn't really the point. It's not a competition. No. It's a celebration. No, but my picks are are patently better than yours so far. <laughs> uh, beg to differ. We'll let the listeners decide when we have some. Yeah. How do we do this again? Oh, do you want to talk about uh, what we're watching before we get into the discussion? So, uh, Dad, why don't you start us off? What have I been watching? Well, I just saw something pretty incredible that uh i knew existed but um and i didn't have high expectations for but i ended up absolutely loving it it's not readily available i found a kind of a bad copy on youtube but it's worth checking out it's called night of the juggler it stars james brolin i don't remember who directed it um it's based on a novel that i believe my dad had on his shelf when i was a kid and it was not what i expected i thought it was like a serial killer movie and it is not at all a serial killer movie it is about um james brolin he's an ex-cop he's working construction He's, he's a divorced dad. He's uh, very devoted to his daughter. And on his when, after he drops his daughter off for school, she is kidnapped almost right in front of him. He observes the kidnapping and sets off on this wild chase through New York City to try and recover his daughter. And it is, um, the whole time I was watching the movie, I was reminded of the taking of Pelham 123. You know that movie, right, Sam? Oh, yeah. Not, I love that movie. Not the remake, the original one with Walter Matthau. And mm-hmm. the taking of Pelham 123 uh, is one of the best movies about New York City that you'll ever see. Uh, New York City is like a character on its own in that movie. The Night of the Juggler is the same. Uh, it is such a quintessential New York movie from the late 70s, early 80s. Everybody's a jerk. (laughs) Uh, James Brolin goes through so much shit in order to, you know, just try and recover his daughter. It is just the wildest, uh, most bizarre bonkers thing that I have seen in a long time. It was delightful from beginning to end. And I highly recommend you uh, you check out Night of the Juggler. Okay, yeah, I've never heard of it. That sounds yeah. great. What is he? Uh, is James Brolin related to Josh Brolin? He's his dad, and James Brolin was a big star in the '70s. He was on mm-hmm. a TV show, medical show, uh, and now I'm going to get this wrong. I think he was. I think the show. There were two big medical shows. Mm-hmm. Um, on TV at the time when I was a kid in the early 70s. One was called Marcus Welby, MD, and I think James Brolin was on that one. Um, the other one was called Medical Center, and there was another hunky uh, male lead actor in that one, but uh, James Brolin was on Marcus Welby, I believe. Um, and uh, he did some movies. 
um, in the course of his career. Maybe the people people will know him most from the 1970s version of the Amityville Horror. Oh, I've seen that. Uh, yeah, he's the he's the dad. He's huh? the dad in in the Amityville Horror mm-hmm. from the from the late 70s. And he is, I believe, still uh, partnered or married to Barbara Streisand these days. Yeah. But anyway, Josh Brolin is his son. And when you uh, look at a James Brolin movie from his heyday, you will see the resemblance very, very strikingly. Have they ever been in a movie together? I don't think so. Not to my knowledge. Would you act in a movie with me? Uh, if I'm invited, am I invited? Do you, is this an invitation? Is I don't have anything on the is burner. This a, is this an offer? How much does it pay? I was just curious. What's the part? Is it a big part? Is it comedic? Is it? I think it would be comedic. Depending on what you find funny. Yeah. I would, I would absolutely act in a movie with you, Sam. Yeah. It'd just be a movie of movie references, probably. <laughs> just quoting movie quotes back to each other all day long. Uh, My door is always open, Sam. You know where to find me. (laughs) What have you been watching? Oh, I watched The Midnight Club. Did you see that? You mentioned that. I did. You mentioned that. Tell me me what you thought. I did like it. I liked it a lot. Like you said uh, last episode, I think you said it was your second favorite after Hill House. It's probably my third favorite after Midnight Mass, only because I like the concept of Midnight Mass so much better. But um, I do like how this one, The Midnight Club, was kind of a blend between series and anthology and it, it managed to wrap an anthology inside itself by you know via the stories that they tell at the midnight club which was a lot of fun what i didn't like about it was the fact that it's not uh a one-off series it's actually season one and i did not realize that i thought it was going to be a one-off thing like midnight mass and now i'm just upset that i have to wait and i don't know if i'll have i'll do i don't know if i'll watch the second season i don't know if i'm that enthusiastic about it to to give it another season, but I, I might feel differently when it rolls around because only if only because I would watch anything that Mike Flanagan put out anyway. So why would I skip just because it's season two of something, you know? Anyway, well, good. Should we get into these movies? Yeah, let's do it. Um, so I think rule house rules, uh, whoever picked a first starts the conversation. So uh, I guess that'd be me. My pick was tower heist. Um, this movie is directed, so we'll address this maybe just up front, and then uh, we can just go on, get on with the conversation. Tower Heist is directed by Brett Ratner, who is the subject of multiple sexual assault allegations. Um, and we don't, uh, I guess it can go without saying, we don't endorse anyone who, who does such things. But I also don't want that to blacklist a movie that a lot of other really great people worked on i mean to each their own for me it does not diminish my enjoyment of the movie just because i love so many of the other people who are involved and i think ultimately that trumps the actions of one individual even though he is the director um just as far as the movie's merit goes yeah i feel the same way i i uh, uh don't um feel that i need to uh, not see a film that uh, features uh, a talent either in front of or behind the camera that is controversial or that uh, has been accused or, or um, uh, convicted or, uh, or something of, uh, 
uh, you know, uh, uh, something heinous in, in their personal lives. Uh, there's, I like um, what they say on the Filmcast podcast that there's a lot of people that work on a film, um, a lot of good people, a lot of people that, you know, worked hard and didn't make as much money uh, as uh, maybe the people that uh, uh, committed, you know, some, uh, some, uh, deplorable acts. And, and so we, um, should keep that in mind too, before we simply just, uh, write off a a work of art, um, uh, for the actions of a couple of people that said, he's not the only person associated with this, uh, uh, particular film that has, uh, been on the receiving end of those kinds of allegations. There's also Casey Affleck, of course. Um, and, uh, Matthew Broderick, uh, back in the day, um, was uh, accused of a, I think it was a hit and run, um, where the other person died. So you could say this is a tower of sociopathy. Uh, <laughs> what's uh, what's Tia Leone done? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, and I'm not going to Google it. Um, but uh, she and you no. know Ben Stiller. This is not the first time they were on camera opposite each other. Yeah. They were they they were dynamite uh, together and flirting with disaster. Um, yeah, that's one I would wouldn't I would care to revisit that one. That was I remember liking it a lot. Uh, so written by Ted Griffin, who was a writer, if not the only writer, on Ocean's Eleven. Uh, do you like that movie? Do you like Ocean's Eleven? Now, which which Ocean's Eleven? Steven Soderbergh. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm not a fan. Um, yeah, I think it's okay. I don't think it's like incredible yeah i'm not a huge uh soderbergh stan i've seen some films of his that i like uh i don't like rave about any of them to speak of yeah you know i kind of feel the same way like i feel like a lot of the movies that he's made are really really solid and his track record is really good especially when you consider how hard it is to make a movie that works but I agree. There, I can't really think of a movie of his that I really am over, head over heels for. I just think like, oh, that was a really solid movie. If I saw it again, I wouldn't be mad about it. Um, it'd still be fun. But it's not something I need to um, over the top about or I need to revisit a hundred times. Um, so he, he sits in this, and maybe other people feel differently, but he sits in a weird middle ground to me where he's just crushing it as far as like making movies that work. But none of them to me have been just out of this world amazing yeah i i agree um i don't uh dispute his talent or you know other people who believe he's a genius for me just doesn't register that as strongly as some others yeah and i haven't seen everything he's made by any means but um i you know what i did like well, just because i'm an elmore leonard fan i really enjoyed his um out of sight yeah that's a good film um jeff nathanson also worked on this movie he wrote catch me if you can uh which i i love that movie how do you feel about it i saw it once i don't remember loving it i get a kind of a similar reaction i think I, I re, my reaction to it was that this is fine it's funny um dispensable but dispensable. i know a lot of people really a lot of people really really like it and i should probably revisit it yeah i think you should because that movie is a monumental feat of it's very much an epic like it covers a lot of ground but the pace never lets up it never gets boring um it keeps you guessing the whole time just because of the situations that 
uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character gets himself into, and then it's like, how's he getting out of this? I just think it's really masterful that because it's almost a three-hour movie, I think, and it has the pace of like a ninety-minute thriller. It's just amazing. I think it's really a great feat. And I'm talking about the screenplay specifically. The whole movie works, um, and uh, uh, Spielberg, you know, deserves credit for that. But just on a script level, like just how tight it is compared to how long it is, it's just I think it's incredible. And then there's also a guy on Tower Heist named Solomon J. Lafleur. He this is his only writing credit, so I don't really know who he is or how he got involved, but. You know, he's on there, so. Um, starring Ben Stiller, T. Leone, Eddie Murphy, Alan Alda, Casey Affleck. I guess the movie's, like, about, uh, obviously, there's a heist involved. Ben Stiller manages a penthouse apartment building f- and owned by a super-duper wealthy, um, I guess, is he an investment banker? Is that the right term for him? Yeah, he, yeah he's an investment banker, um, fun, you know, financial advisor, kind of a, guy a bernie made a bernie madoff kind of a guy he invests money he he invests money but he's fraudulent and he defrauds everybody and tries to get away and he gets captured and put in um what do you call it house arrest in his pen in the penthouse uh in this apartment and uh in the tower in the tower and uh ben stiller it's about him uh try him assembling a team of the people who work there to try and uh, discover the um, the cash that they believe he's hidden so they can pay everybody back who lost their money. Good synopsis. Um, so I picked this movie, you know this, of course, um, because it has become a Thanksgiving tradition. Um, the movie, uh, climax in the movie takes place in Thanksgiving. And uh, it's become a tradition in our family to watch it every year because it is... Uh, well, it's very funny, but it's also, there's not always, it's probably a little bit difficult to find a movie uh, that pretty much everyone in our family enjoys about an equal amount. And I think we all really, really enjoy this movie. And so it became a tradition because, uh, you know, it was something we could do together and we'd, you know, have a good time every time. So that's why I picked it. And uh, that's like reason number one. Reason number two was... It's underrated, I think. It has a pretty low audience score on Rotten Tomatoes, which uh, surprises me every time I, I see that. And I just don't know why. I just have such a good time with this movie. And so it's like, well, clearly this is underrated in our opinion. So why not talk about it? It's also set at Thanksgiving. I said that. Oh, so, uh, yeah, that's, I think, uh, one of the reasons why we uh, have returned to it, you know, on Thanksgiving uh, because of the great uh, you know, use of the Macy's Day Parade, apparently during the actual parade. I don't know how else you would stage that, you know? It's like, I mean, you could do a lot with money, but it just seems like, I don't know how else you would pull that off. It's such yeah, a big event. Was... I don't know how else you could do it without uh, a ton of CGI and, uh, you know, you can't close down New York any other time for anything else. you know what i mean that doesn't yeah. that i mean you just, can it's yeah. like every everything is got a price but yeah it, it appears that they uh use not only stock footage but also actual footage of actors uh you know interacting with the parade as it was happening so yeah, that's, uh, that's great that's pretty impressive yeah but sam yes sam this is not a very good movie is it what do you mean by good now 
don't get me wrong. I love this movie. I was the one who brought this movie to everybody's attention. Yes. Because I saw it in an airplane. You deserve credit. And I just enjoyed it from start to finish. Uh-huh. Laughed the whole time. Uh-huh. But it's not very good, right? Uh-huh. Uh, I disagree with that fundamentally. What do you mean by not very... Should, oh. we, should we be talking about this now or should we introduce the other film first? Um, we can introduce the other film and then you could... Because this, um, like, this feels like the discussion. So we should probably yeah. introduce... Yeah. Well, that's... Okay. Why don't you do that? What, and then we'll, we'll pick up with that question. But go ahead and introduce your pick first. So in order to pair something with the Tower Heist, I wanted to uh, find a comedy... Which would, this is the first time we've we've addressed comedies mm-hmm. for the whole episode. We did the Big Lebowski um, yeah. earlier this season, but uh, um, that was put up against the thriller. Paired, right. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, this is an all comedy episode, and um, I wanted to find something that involved kind of a heist theme. Initially, I picked a different movie, um, and long story short, I watched it and I thought. This movie's a real bummer. I don't want to use this movie. Um, so I picked a different movie. Uh, and um, I decided I landed on a fish called Wanda. Mm-hmm. So um, I guess before we synopsize it briefly, Sam, do you think it was a good pairing? Yes. I do. Yeah. Fish called Wanda uh, on rewatch really holds up. Um it's um let me check this out here um the movie came out in 1988 um it stars john cleese jamie lee curtis kevin klein who steals the movie uh he just runs away with it yeah um and michael palin john cleese and michael palin of course being two of the four or five uh, monty python troop um right. just a fantastic film um Involving uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, Kevin Klein, Michael Palin, all trying to recover some loot that was stolen uh, in a robbery uh, where their boss uh, got um, incarcerated. Um, and so they're there. But before he was taken off to jail, he was able to hide the, the loot. So it's uh, really a caper film about trying to figure out where the loot is hidden. Um, and just a wonderful, uh, wonderful comic uh, film um, so we'll come come back to to a fish called Wanda but cool. Sam I have I have seven no what 18 uh-huh. I have 18 reasons why Tower Heist is not a good film Wow you I don't really... know if we have time to go f- cover them all no I want to hear them what are your top what are the top five did you rank them is it a rank I list? didn't rank them okay. but they're more like examples of things. In here's, the script. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I need to know yeah, yeah. what you're... Well, maybe it'll become clear when you say the reasons, but I do need to know what you are... What you mean when you say good, because it's a vague term, uh, and it's one that gets um, thrown around a lot without a, necessarily a lot of specificity to back it up. Um, for me, the criteria of... Uh, quote-unquote, a good film, the only way to judge a piece of uh, a narrative of any kind is if it works or not, in my opinion. And this movie works. I think even when you get past the some of the gaping plot holes, among other things in this movie, 
I think at the end of the day, it works. It's like, um, I don't know what other valid metric there could be. So that's where I'm coming from as far as good. I don't know if you have a different definition or if you just want to uh, get into your reasons. And uh, you know, I think there. you hit the nail on the head. The plotting is top to bottom ludicrous. Yeah. There's nothing in this movie that makes any sense. Yeah. And I realize it's a comedy and it's supposed to suspend disbelief, but the plausibility is totally out the window in this film it's pretty off the charts it's pretty off the charts but again i'm not sure i mean that's only becomes an issue if it distracts so much from the actual story that then it becomes a problem and you know some people are going to react some people are going to be more sensitive to um things like uh shifty plotting than other people but i do want to point out that there are plenty of examples of no, not just movies, but notable movies where there are quote unquote plot holes, um, but you don't care. And they can be of varying sizes. So one example is um, there, uh, if you know Lee Brackett, she wrote um, The Big Sleep, the adaptation of The Big Sleep, the Raymond Chandler novel with William Faulkner. And she tells this story about, I haven't, uh, I don't remember The Big Sleep, I saw it a long time ago, but apparently there's a butler who dies in this movie or a driver or something. And uh, her and Faulkner are trying to figure out who killed him. Uh, And she goes to Faulkner and he says, who killed the butler? And Faulkner says, I don't know. And she goes to the director, Howard Hawks, and she says, who killed the butler? And he goes, I don't know. And she calls Raymond Chandler, who wrote the book, and she goes, who killed the butler? And Raymond Chandler goes, I don't know. And (laughs) the point being that I think if a movie works on every other level, uh, you can abide quite a bit of nonsensical plotting as long as the story is working i think is the lesson there and for me tower heist does that yeah it's just there's like 18 chauffeurs in tower heist that got murdered and nobody knows who did it or why okay what uh, murders, versus, yeah why versus the through? one in the big sleep sure yeah well at one as far as i know but maybe there's more but anyway why don't you go through some of these we, we can address some of them I don't know. It, it'll take a long. I, I don't want to go through all of them. Just give me like. Just we'll, give me like two. We already talked about. Well, what did you talk about? Okay, so spoilers for Tower Heist. If you haven't seen Tower Heist, mm-hmm. I don't want anybody to get me wrong. I do love this movie. Uh, we watch it, as Sam says, annually. Uh, I laugh just as loud uh, each time I see it. So please go see Tower Heist. Um, and don't let this um, spoil your enjoyment of the yeah, film. Yeah, definitely not. Yeah. Um, I'm going to jump to the end, Sam. Mm-hmm. How in God's name did they get that car into that pool on the that's roof of the tower? a really good question. So <laughs> that's always that's The elevator always the does question. not go to the roof. It doesn't? I thought the doors were right behind them. No! No, those are not elevator doors. They're stairway? stair doors. Yeah. Well, they skipped that part. It's a deleted scene. <laughs> no, that's that's I, uh, I, that's probably the least defensible element of this movie. I got another one that's maybe okay. the most defensive elephant uh, 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 element. The most the defensive oh. elephant. Most defensive elephant in this movie. <laughs> and that yeah, is. is what are these people supposed to do with these random gold car parts? Yeah. How are they supposed to monetize well. that? No. <laughs> and they're yeah. all delighted that they got yeah. solid gold 
carburetors and yeah. bumpers and you know the guy that arguably deserves the most he got like mostly a wooden steering wheel with a little bit of gold on it it's like what yeah. the hell is this yeah just like uh, a gold veneer <laughs> i don't know what they're supposed to be doing with these gold pieces of car <laughs> well they're supposed to sell them to the people who buy gold haven't you seen those signs i guess that's not gonna be suspicious at all <laughs> Yeah, you're okay, right. number three. Number I can't three. Argue that. <laughs> number three, the law, the lawyer who you know just passed the bar uh, and yes. says sharks are born swimming. Uh, uh-huh. She goes into the negotiation uh, to plea bargain for Ben Stiller and bargains by um, withhold, basically withholding evidence. So uh-huh. they're they're using obstruction of justice in order to get uh-huh. a better deal. For her client, uh, I don't think that's so this the way is something, that works. This is something you have a problem with if you're a lawyer. It sounds like. <laughs> I guess maybe that's too technical because spoiler alert: I am a lawyer. But that's something. That's something I did not pick up on. But there's, I got a lot more. But there's just this is just laden with implausibilities uh, up and down. Yeah. No. You're right. You're right. And maybe that's why people aren't super into it on the whole. I, I mean, that, maybe that was why it didn't resonate with people. There was just too much that didn't make sense. But for whatever reason, I have just never found that that gets in the way of my ability to enjoy this movie. I just think it's so much fun that all that other stuff becomes as you know a non-issue. I have to say, so do I. I I, I look I look past it and I really enjoy it. Also, by the way, did Judd Hirsch die in that closet? You know, um, that's a great question. Because they just cut to him once afterward just to remind you he's there, but they don't show anybody rescuing him. Yeah, I think he died. I think he's still in there. So anyway, that's, that's the knock on the movie. But like, like you say, it doesn't, it doesn't diminish uh, my enjoyment and... Um, I think it's it's just so funny. There's so many things that just make you... I mean, it's full of just belly laughs. They're... Okay, well, for, so Tower Heist, I, a question I have. Are there... I, this might be a dumb question, um, but are there really penthouse apartments like this where the building staff, uh, they just wait on you hand and foot and like remember your birthday and stuff? Is that a real thing? No, I really can't speak to that. I mean, we'd have to... We'd have to talk to um, some uh, people that live in New York City and in those mm-hmm. kinds of apartments. But I'd be willing to believe that something like that exists. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's just like, I, I I don't know what I made of that when I first saw this movie or any of the subsequent times that I saw this movie. But um, I just kind of always took it as like a creative liberty, like a, their own little world building kind of a thing. But it occurred to me, it's like, are there really places like this where the building staff are basically there to wait on you. And it's just interesting. I didn't know that that existed. But yeah, it's almost like a hotel than a, a Yeah, right. residential. Yeah, which building. I think that confused me when I was younger because I did think it was a hotel initially when I when I watched this movie when I was a teenager cuz that's what it feels like. So, anyway. I'd um, be willing to believe there there are properties like that in New York City that probably yeah. do do behave that way. Must be nice. How do I get one of those? Let's go. Let's go check it oh, out. Right now. <laughs> Maybe there's a showing. Maybe it's on Zillow. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so the heist. Uh, I guess the major difference is that the in one of these movies, the heist is the inciting incident, and in the other movie, it's the climax. So uh, in A Fish Called Blonda, that's how the movie starts, right. and then everything is the fallout, and then uh, Tower Heist is building up to it. So they're kind of reverse-structured in that way, right. which... On that level, they're they're completely different movies, actually. Yeah, they are kind of different in that regard. The the uh, the he- like you say, the heist in a fish called Wanda is the beginning of the film, and then um, it's about trying to recover the loot from where um, the boss hit it uh, before he was arrested. But it's really about the relationships among these characters, um, which is just um, just a riot. Did you? Um, is it is it possible for you to say which movie do you find funnier? I I mean probably Tower Heist. Um, it's more it's a more accessible humor. Wanda is very offbeat, which is great. I'm all for that, but it doesn't have um, the same number of as you called them belly laps for me. Uh, but I did. I I love all the actors. I love the whole cast. The characters in Wanda they were all so much fun. But you know, if I have to choose which one made me laugh more, it's a Tower Heist. And but that's saying as Tower Heist might be one of the movies that makes me laugh the most of like any movie I've seen. So you know, it's a high bar there. But um, Wanda, super offbeat, but loved it. Super offbeat. Um, a lot of great lines. As I said, Kevin Klein, I think, just steals this movie. Yeah. Um, as Otto. Um, this, uh, I don't know how to describe him. He's, he's, a, he's, I guess, supposedly an ex-CIA uh, <laughs> agent that, that, uh, you know, uh, puts on this very tough guy persona. Um, and, uh, <laughs> he's, he's just a, he's just a hoot. He's an movie. idiot. Yeah. It's so funny. He's. A complete idiot. He's completely jealous of Jamie Lee Curtis and every man she looks at. And, yes. Uh, threatens to murder anybody that you know, <laughs> uh, she she pays the slightest bit of attention to. Um, he uh, he's a delight. Yeah, I love that one. Yeah, he. Uh, it's so funny. He I I may have seen him in other places, but the only movie I can think of that I've seen him in is Silverado. Do you remember that movie? Yeah, absolutely. I was gonna mentioned Silverado because if you've seen him it would have been in that movie yeah I absolutely love Silverado and I love him in Silverado and then it was just funny to see him in a totally different operating in a totally different capacity but no less effectively he was he was so much fun and he does I I agree that he steals the show like he gets he's the most ridiculous over-the-top person in a ridiculous over-the-top kind of a movie and yeah, he just—it's just great. I, I just love it when he's saying Italian words to Jamie Lee Curtis, and he's picking things like primavera and parmesan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's the best. It's so silly. The other characters, um, you know what I love in Tower Heist is Ben Stiller. His—he's the—he's the main character, and. What I think makes part of the reason this movie is so effective is his number one's character trait, his number one skill in the movie is being a selfless person. And they set that up so beautifully. Like they, they make him into this person who is always thinking about 
people other than himself. And yes, because it's his job, but also because it's his nature. Um, and they managed to do it without making him seem like some sort of a pushover. And that to me is the reason that the movie works is because the foundation of it is found in this, in this character who's so sympathetic and you just want him to, you know, win at the end of the day. And I think that's why, uh, it works so well. And I think that is played really wonderfully at the end because again, it's, it comes full circle when at the beginning we get to understand that he, again, he's a selfless person and that's how he, operates and it's intrinsic to his character and then at the end he takes uh the fall by agreeing to go to prison for two years in exchange for everyone else to let go so that comes full circle to where um again he makes it's not necessarily ultimate sacrifice because he gets out in two years but it's uh it just it comes full circle as far as his character um and that's exactly what he would do and that's exactly who we've been told he is the entire movie and he doesn't change he's the same way the whole movie but it's it's i think it's played to to really great effect i love that yeah do do you notice how at the end his prison garb is you know looks kind of comfy and even a little bit stylish uh as opposed to alan alda who is you know running into this this uh absolute nightmare of a prison uh right yeah 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 that was fun I i didn't really make note of that but thinking back yeah 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 and that's, uh, that's an interesting uh, observation there because tell, uh, Fish Called Wanda, by contrast, uh, is all about evil people. I mean, they're all just, you know, selfish, out for themselves. There's really, yeah. you know, not a lot of um, uh, human kindness uh, among the among the no. characters in Fish Called Wanda. It's uh, it is pretty much, uh, you know, politically incorrect in, in a lot on a lot of levels. Yeah, yeah. And I could never tell. Uh, by the end of the movie, I could not tell if they had actually grown, if John Cleese and Jamie Lee Curtis had actually grown to care for each other, or if it was just at that point the most convenient thing for Jamie Lee Curtis to be doing. I think we've been with her, you know, for enough uh, for the entire movie to know that, yeah, she's done with him as soon as she finds somebody else who could speak a language, yeah. a romance language that turns her on. Yeah, um, that's kind of so, what I yeah, feel no, too. Because I just didn't. I just there was no evidence to me to suggest that she'd ever actually developed any kind of feeling for him. But we're sort of seeing the movie. Oh, well, I'm trying to think. I think we're sort of experiencing the movie uh, at that point largely through John Cleese's eyes, and so in his mind, it's like, yes, this is the perfect romantic ending, but. In her mind, it's like, yeah, like you said, I'm no, I'm ditching this guy as soon as we land. <laughs> yeah. Or, or I'll stay with him for a bit, but if something better comes along, I'm out right. of there. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She's an opportunist. Yeah, and I mean, he is too in his own way. You yeah. know, he. No, ev- everybody in the movie is just kind of venal and evil, and it's fine. Uh, you yeah, know, we. Love They're it. just. They have no. They have no ability, or maybe desire to abstain from indulging in their impulses. They yeah. just do what they want. No, it's uh, it's it's sadistic, but it's good natured at the same time, and um, uh, just just funny from top to bottom. So yeah, you can't really compare the heist and tower because that that's the the center you know uh, set piece in Tower Heist is is the heist itself. In Fish Called Wanda, it's you know it's at the beginning of the film, but then the rest of it is 
you know, really about this effort to recover the money um, and, you know, how they just uh, uh, do dirt on each other and, uh, you know, crossing and double crossing and triple crossing each other, um, which which generates the uh, the comic tension. So, yeah, it is hard to compare them on that basis. Yeah. Yeah. They just I, yeah, they, they um, work in very different ways, I think. But because uh, the Tower Heist is more of a traditional like assemble your team uh, kind of a heist movie. And that's just, yeah, that's just not what Wanda is. It's just a different movie. Yep. Yep. But we recommend them both. Absolutely. Uh, so we t- covered the heist. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? We can talk about villains. Yeah. Alan Alda. Love it. Is he's Used to be a good guy, you know. He was a Hawkeye on the TV show MASH. Oh. Uh, for, I don't know how many seasons, nine seasons. Right. Um, so he was always the quintessential, you know, good guy. Um, and uh, later in his career, yeah, he, he started playing more villains. And so uh, it's, he, he does it quite well. Yeah. No, he, he uh, walks this line between... He can be endearing, and then he's also just the most smug, entitled human on the planet. And he just, I think he walks that line brilliantly and to great effect. You just want to smack him. You really do. Especially with that dumb squint that he does, that dumb squinty smile, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, smirk. He's just so, so full of himself. Yeah, that's great. Love him. Yeah. Yeah. Who's the villain in Wanda? Well, it's obviously the guy in prison, but we don't yeah. spend a lot of time with him. He doesn't. He's, um, not, he's barely in the story. Yeah. And you could say that Kevin Klein is the villain among the four leads. Yeah. But he's just—he's just so much fun. It's hard to think of him as a villain. Yeah, he's also uh, just you know, one of the leads. It's an ensemble movie, and you know, he's just one of those one of the characters. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I like and, about ensemble movies. Is it uh, allows you to break out of that hero villain mold by just showing what everybody's angle is and how they go about trying to achieve what they want. Yeah. To the, to the extent he antagonizes Ken, Michael Palin's character. Yeah. Um, you kind of root for Ken to do what he does, which is run him over with a steamroller. (laughs) 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 Um, but, uh, you know, then you happily see him uh, recover from getting run over by a steamroller only to be blown off of a jumbo jet. Right. Um, and that's but, actually, I didn't think about that, but that's a really fun uh, uh, reversal of where <laughs> when when you see um, what's the actor's name is driving the steamroller again. Michael Palin. Yeah. So when you see Michael Palin run him over, you're rooting for Michael Palin. And then, yeah, like you said you happy when Kevin Klein isn't dead. And so it's just, it's funny how narratives can do that to where depending on what your perspective you're in and the work that's been done beforehand, you can switch so fluidly between who you're rooting for in any given moment. And even if it's, you know, those on the surface, those two desires are, are contradictory. Yeah. Uh, it's just a classic moment when, uh, <laughs> when, uh, Kevin Klein gets stuck in cement and uh, Michael Palin is slowly 
<laughs> approaching him very slowly, approaching him with a steamroller, shouting, yes. "Revenge! <laughs> Revenge!" <laughs> Is that I was there a uh, Austin Powers that did that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was okay. that that scene uh, kind of got replayed in Austin Powers where yeah. the guy was not stuck in cement and the steamroller was slowly coming towards him <laughs> and he just stood there and screamed until it actually right. ran over. Like it's yeah, as though it's coming at him at full speed, yeah. So, <laughs> scene. It's so funny. So no real villains in Wanda, they're all villains. They're yeah. none of them are villains. Um, yeah. You just love love to see them, you know, interact and try and double cross each other, and uh, it ends very satisfactorily. So yeah, uh, yeah. I actually think Fish Called Wanda is the better film. Uh, I mean, I've already said that at times, yeah. and you know, it's not a great film. It just doesn't really care about plot at all. It. Yeah. Um, it is funny, but, uh, you know, who the hell cares if any of it makes any sense. Fish Called Wanda, I think, is more enjoyable, you know, on on all levels because, um, yes, it's ridiculous. It's comic. Um, but the plot isn't, you know, so far out of left field that, um, you know, it, it can take you out of it. So, yeah. 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 And I also think it's a more complex movie also. I think the people in it are, by virtue of um, being really, really selfish people who uh, also have the things they do want to fight for, even if they're the wrong things, I think it's it's a more complex movie, at least on a character level. And so I think it deserves some some accolades for that. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody's better than John Cleese at playing that put upon bewildered proper Englishman. Um, yeah. And he, he does that to a T here. Who also is completely selfish. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, you know, so prim and proper and he's, and he's, he's stuck up. Like he looks down on other people. Uh, but at the same time, he's just like this sniveling person who will, who change in a heartbeat if it means he gets what he wants. It's, yeah, you know, he'll just throw his principles out the window. I had to look up um, the actress who played his wife because she's not very well known. I don't know what mm-hmm. else she she was in. Uh, her name is Maria Aitken, and mm-hmm. um, I think she just kills it too in this movie. Yeah, um, I wish she had done more things that I've seen. Um, she's just so deadpan and. Um, you know, plays along as a as a total innocent. Um, when uh, Kevin Klein introduces himself as a CIA agent and he comes up with this ridiculous name with many syllables, <laughs> she just spits that right back out to him <laughs> without without hesitation. Yeah, uh, <laughs> one of the best lines in the film. Yeah, she's funny. Should we talk about endings? Uh, so we sort of covered this with Tower Heist. I think it at once has one of the best and most ridiculously unrealistic endings ever. Because right. we talked about the logistical plot problems with the movie, but then it also comes to just a perfect... The, the the everything just aligns perfectly at the end like you're happy to see everybody get 
their money back and you revisit all the characters one at a time um, and you see that they're going to be okay. And then you even see, you know, Ben Stiller, despite the fact that he's being in prison, looking pretty good. Uh, he's got a smile on his face and the soundtrack during that shot is just so great. That's one thing we haven't talked about is the soundtrack in Tower Heist, which is music, one of the, music, the best, yeah. one of the best elements of the movie it's it's just fantastic i think it it goes a long way if with an inferior soundtrack i'm not sure that this will be the movie it is yeah i uh who was the composer on the film i uh, i'm sure i wrote it down hang on the composer of tower heist is christoph beck yeah and what else did he do i don't know well, he did a lot of marvel oh yeah yeah, he did New Mutants. He did Avengers Endgame. Uh, no way. No, that score. That score is something else. Yeah, I love it. One of the things that really, uh, you know, pulled me in to Tower Heist when I was watching it all those years ago on an airplane was the score. I just thought it was perfect. You know, it was just so perfectly um, keyed to the theme of a heist film. You know, almost satiric in in uh how it approached um that uh that kind of um theme yeah yeah definitely his own take uh, on it 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 just works front you know top to bottom absolutely and then how does let's see yeah i think i guess ink wanda doesn't come to the same crescendo uh that tower heist does and it's it's a quieter well quieter maybe not what am i trying to say it's not as flashy of a movie as Tower Heist is, and Tower Heist kind of comes to a, the ending is pretty flashy. Wanda really isn't. It just kind of lets you sit with the ridiculousness uh, of these two characters ending up together. Right. Wanda just, um, you know, you're you're kind of rooting for Archie, John Cleese's character. Um, yeah. He ends up with the girl, as we you know say for now. Uh, who, who's to say how long that will last? Probably not very long at all. But uh, at least those two, you know, get their moment. And as as conniving as Jamie Lee Curtis's character is, uh, you have to enjoy her, you know, winning and and uh, riding off in uh, on the airplane with all the money. Uh, in right. the meantime, you know, Otto's still alive, so I'm sure he'll turn back up in their lives at some point. Um, and can you know got his revenge. Uh, and can go back and rebuild yeah. rebuild his fish tank. Um, <laughs> yeah. so and get new fish. In a way, uh, it also ends very satisfyingly for all those characters. Uh, everybody gets gets what they deserve. Did he really eat those fish? I don't. Did he eat those fish? I don't think so. I mean, it you looks mean, like he ate the fish. You mean the actor? Yeah, I'm sure they were gummies. Hmm. They had to. Have been. It looked real. It did look pretty real, yeah, but that's the magic of the movie, Sam. <laughs> that's magic of filmmaking. <laughs> yeah, they used to kill horses, too, when they needed a horse to die. Yeah. Just uh, break its leg. Magic of filmmaking. Yep. So. Uh, yeah, that scene where he's uh, eating the fish out of the fish tank is <laughs> one of the best. Uh, uh, begins. That is a wild torture scene. It's, it's very wild. Yeah, that's some psychological ooh, yeah. night, stuff of nightmares. Yeah, particularly yeah, where... He's kind of a psychotic character. There's also <laughs> there's also chips. There happens to be chips <laughs> in the picture as well. 
the British compos- uh, contribution to world cuisine, the chip. Um, chip. And, uh, of course, you need fish to go with it. So, so good. Anything else you want to cover for the main discussion? I don't think so. I think uh, we recommend both of these movies for people to watch, right? Yeah, absolutely. So um, you want to do, if we're done with the bulk of the discussion, you want to do our little short segment thing? We can do a highlight reel. Um, what do you got? For... You, go, you go first. Okay, I'll go first. So for Tower Heist, <laughs> the scene that makes me laugh the hardest, I think, every viewing is when they're planning the heist and Ben Stiller's showing a slideshow and <laughs> Eddie Murphy says something about one of the women in one of the photos who works at the building that they're casing and uh, Casey Affleck mentions that she's a lesbian and then they have that whole gauntlet of lesbians conversation. That part just makes me laugh the hardest, I think, every time I see this. That is the best scene in the movie. So uh, for, for Fish Called Wanda for the highlight reel, I would pick the scene where Kevin Klein and Jamie Lee Curtis are in the car and Kevin Klein is explaining Buddhism. Do you remember that <laughs> uh-huh. scene? Yeah. Yeah. And he, um, uh, what does he say? He says, uh, he's doing, uh, uh, he, he's, uh, doing something weird behind the steering wheel. And Wanda says, what are you doing? He says, it's a Buddhist meditation technique. It focuses your aggression. The monks used to do it before they went into battle. And Wanda <laughs> says, what kind of Buddhism is this, Otto? <laughs> I laughed so long at that scene. Yeah, he's always mixing and matching different references and bits of nonsense that he thinks he are true. He has no idea about what anything really does <laughs> or means. But it's just wonderful. Yeah, I would just say for Wanda, my uh, highlights would be any scene that he's in, <laughs> to be honest. The fish seed, which you already talked about, is probably the peak. But anything that Kevin Klein's doing is hilarious in that movie. He's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Uh, we didn't mention the fact that um, the Michael Palin character has a stutter, and they do spend quite a bit of time making fun of the stutter. I don't know if uh, people's sensibilities would appreciate that um, these days in 1988. Yeah. I don't think anybody thought twice about it. Right. Um, but uh, that that kind of thing might be uh, triggering for some people, I suppose. Yeah, it might not um, be such a, a might not be as funny today <laughs> as it was in 1980. Un- whatever. It's a little uncomfortable, but yeah. Uh, but anyway, that was uh, that was my my pick for the the highlight reel. Oh, cool, Dad. Uh, let's do. I don't know which one of these should come first. I guess um, we can do the rating, and then we can do honorable mentions. Maybe that makes sense. Uh, so uh, the rating system is very simple. Uh, would you program this as a double feature in your hypothetical art house movie theater? I don't think I would. Um, really, I, li- I like them both, but. As a double uh-huh. feature, as as we discussed, I don't think they're as complimentary as I would have liked them to be. Okay. Um, but um, I think they are the top half of a double bill uh, with other pairings, potentially. Um, okay. But okay. Uh, no, I don't think I would pair them. Okay. Uh, well, what would you pair them with? Do you have ideas? Uh, I, I don't. This is... This- Off the top of my head, I don't. For Fish Mm -hmm. Called Wanda, 
the same four actors got back together a few years later with the same director, I believe, and made a second mm-hmm. movie, which was a di- completely different uh, story with completely different characters. And that movie mm-hmm. is called Fierce Creatures. And I haven't seen Fierce Creatures. So okay. uh, my, that my might be one plan, to check it out. My plan is to check that out. And maybe that would mm-hmm. be a good double feature with Fish Called Wanda. Yeah, if only because it's the same cast. That could be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, you know, you've kind of convinced me. I think I maybe wouldn't program this either as a double feature just because, like you said, there aren't, other than the heist, they are not alike in any way, shape, or form. So I just, I'm not sure that they really complement each other uh, in enough ways for it to to merit um, a back-to-back viewing. Yeah. Hmm. I think maybe Tower High should be paired with Night of the Juggler. Yeah, I'll have to watch that and make that determination. <laughs> they're both set in New York, and they both are top to bottom implausible from start to finish. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, the other thing that I like to do is honorable mentions, cause, um, which are other movies that could have been paired with either of these. You um, just said one. Uh, I I didn't say what it, I didn't say what it was. But... Oh, what was it called? Um, it was called Fun with Dick and Jane. And that's the one with the same cast. No, no, I'm sorry. Fierce Creatures is the one that was... Okay, uh, I thought that's what you are talking about. The one I mentioned with the Fish Called Wanda cast. But as an honorable mention, uh, as a pairing with Mm -hmm. Tower Heist, Mm -hmm. my first choice was called Fun with Dick and Jane. Okay. I haven't seen that. It's a movie from um, late 1970s also. I think maybe 77. It stars mm-hmm. George Siegel and Jane Fonda. Mm-hmm. Um, and the plot of that movie uh, is sort of similar to Tower Heist, which is why I thought of it. Um, the In in uh, Fun with Dick and Jane, Dick, played by George Siegel, uh, is uh, laid off from his job mm-hmm. and has to um, uh, go on this uh, adventure exploring the welfare uh, society uh, until eventually he and his wife Jane, played by Jane Fonda, uh, turn to crime uh, in order to um, make ends meet. And I watched it and I decided it's kind of a bummer. Um, hmm. It's it's not... Um, it, the humor doesn't really uh, hold up for me uh, that much. Um, there's lots to talk about. Um, but it's just kind of a bummer of a film. Hmm. Um, and so I don't know if it was an honorable mention, more of a dishonorable mention. But that was my <laughs> initial thought about what to pair Towerized with that I ended up, um, uh, I ended up uh, uh, punting on and, and going with uh, something that I thought people would enjoy more. All right. Um, for me, I just tried to think of other heist movies. So... For Tower Heist, do you remember a movie called The Art of the Steel? Yes, with Kurt Russell. With Kurt Russell. So I remember liking that movie a lot, and that'd be one I'd like to revisit. So that could be, just because it's a heist movie, I don't know how similar it is otherwise. But I remember it being funny. I remember Kurt Russell being great, which he always is. Uh, And I remember it being a pretty good heist movie. So. I would uh, I would have that as an honorable mention. And then for A Fish Called Wanda, I just thought of this now while we were having the discussion, but 
you might pair that with something like Snatch, mm-hmm. just because it's an ensemble movie. Um, there's a heist involved, but it's not the main subject of the movie. It's more like the inciting incident of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it features a cast of, you know, kind of miscreants who are out for themselves. And uh, some of them aren't very bright. And mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of in a similar vein. Yeah. No, definitely. Also, I love Snatch. Or Lock Snock. Lock, lock Snock. Lock Stock. Lock Snot and Barrels. And he's smoking barrels. Lock Snot and Barrels. Uh, that one could be another good one, but very similar movie to Snatch. So similar reasoning. Sure. Uh, and yeah, one more I would mention that I actually wanted to pick, but it wasn't available to stream. And so I didn't pick it, uh, is a film from 1972 called The Hot Rock, uh, starring mm-hmm. also George Siegel, but um, Robert Redford. Um, <clears throat> and uh, it's a very delightful caper film um, that uh, I highly recommend uh, people check out. Mm-hmm. The Hot Rock. Right. All right, Dad. The moment has come. What what moment you is that? You need to announce. You need to announce what we're watching for the next episode. Oh, the pressure's on. So um, there's so many. I have this list of uh, films that I've made that are films mm-hmm. that I don't believe you've seen, uh, mm-hmm. and I would like to get your take on them. Um, okay. It's uh, we're recording this in uh, on December the first. Um, so the next time we get together, it will be January. It'll be the dark of winter. It's going to be gloomy. Mm-hmm. It's going to be cold. Yep. We're all going to yep. be wanting to my favorite time of year, my favorite time of year. Winter. So we're all going to want to, you know, check out movies that kind of take our, um, take our minds off of all the oppression, uh, that the weather imposes on us. So I'm going to pick, okay. Uh, a movie, a little movie, fun little movie called Take Shelter, Sam. Take Shelter. Ah. It stars yeah, Mike. I feel like that's not a light movie at all. <laughs> like you really it's, built that up. <laughs> it's called, it's uh, with Michael Shannon, Jessica oh, Chastain. Uh, yeah. It's just going to take your mind off of of all the uh, winter blues, all the winter blahs. By take my mind off, do you mean it's going to drive me crazy? Because that's what happens <laughs> to Michael Shannon in that movie. Uh, I would really like to know what you think of Take Shelter. Am I going to spiral uh, into madness? You might spiral into madness. After watching that movie? That's but, good. I could use a little madness in my life, if I'm being honest. Yeah. So I'd like to see Take Shelter. You've been, you've been trying to get me to watch that forever, so now's yeah. the time. Now's the time. Um, Great. And uh, I desperately mm. would like to know your thoughts. Cool. All right. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see it so that I can pair something with it. Very good. Take Shelter it is. Cool. Uh, watch it. Great. I haven't checked out where it's streaming, but I know it does stream in different places, uh, not infrequently. We'll find it somewhere. Not too yeah. worried about it. All right. Should we do the outro? Outro. Great. Well, uh, thanks for listening to everybody. That wraps up the episode. Um, don't forget to, if you enjoyed the show, don't forget to uh, subscribe, rate, and review us. That would really help us out since we're just kind of starting this as an experiment. Um, if you want to tell us what you think of the show or if you have thoughts, suggestions, or if you want to tell us what you would have paired with Art of These Movies, you can send an email to likemoviespod at gmail.com. And I'll also put that link in the show notes if I remember. 
Um, so yeah, that's our show. Dad, do you have anything? Last thoughts, comments? No final thoughts? Before we sign off? Uh, no final thoughts. We will see you in the new year. We will see you then. All right. Bye.